Welcome to the Lady Palace Podcast. We are your hosts, Bella and Amanda. We're just a couple of gals who are on a mission to shake up the status quo around women's health. Come and delve into the depths with us as we start the conversations to empower, educate, create change and connect you back home into your lady house. Now it's up to every woman to know what's inside of the ovaries, the womb, every part of her vagina. They're different sizes, shapes and all colours. Life starts from a yoni, straight from our mothers. Fertility. New creation and the taboo. Let's start a conversation. Your yoni is your homie, so lift her up higher. Ladies, say you're proud. I love my vagina. Woman, power, goddess, flower, lady, palace, click, click, boom. I'm a woman and my body is a temple, and my yoni is connected to my mental. All right, it's the Boom Tang Clan with Valerie and Amanda. So welcome back. Hi. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Hi. It's been a hot little minute since Mans and I have sat down and done a recording together. You may not know, but the first recordings that we did were actually back in 2019, pre-COVID, and we just thought it might be nice again now that we've launched to sit back down and connect back with you all. And slip this little episode in to give you an update. Yeah. Because it's been a year, really, since the previous recordings. It's been a year. Yeah. A year that was MIA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and still sort of feel like we're we're in all of it. Well, we are. Two years. Into our fifth lockdown. 18 months now. Hasn't it been? Yeah. Which just feels wild. So. We're loving creating these conversations. Yeah. Around, we know that we launched last week and we had our first little intro and then followed by the seasons and cycles. Yep. And yeah, we've heard that you're loving the little rap that's at the start. So we're happy that everyone's bopping along. Thanks for your gift wrapped. Yep. <laughs> loving their vaginas, shouting it out from the rooftops. So we thought that this episode was quite important to talk about because, you know, here at the Lady Palace, we obviously want to shine a light on every part of a life cycle that a woman goes through. So, you know, all of the incredible parts of birth and puberty and menopause and pregnancy, but obviously there's also some darker things that we go through. And Which have also been stigmatised and that are really considered taboo. Mm. But, in fact, they're actually not. It's part of what we have to live through as as part of, you know, a female existence or a menstruator's existence. Mm, exactly. And they're just not really given a platform to have conversations around and they're sort of, you know, pushed to the side and, you know, we want to be able to create you know, these taboo conversations and make them normalised so that, you know, anyone who's going through something like this can feel like they're resonating with someone, even if they don't feel, you know, comfortable to be able to share them. So, And to break the, break the glass around shame and guilt mm. and feeling as though we're doing something that's wrong. Mm. because the topic that we're going to be talking about today, given this, is 
talking about abortions. Yeah. And just as a bit of a trigger warning for anyone that's going through a fertility journey and trying to fall pregnant or who has suffered miscarriages or who has gone through an abortion themselves, this episode may bring up, you know, words or stories or conversations that are triggering for you. So just as a bit of a warning, if you do feel really sensitive around this topic, maybe come back to this episode at a later date. Mm. Um because, yeah, we're going to be sharing our personal journeys. Um, but, of course, that can always bring up different triggers and emotions for everyone. Absolutely. So we always kick off with what day of the cycle are you? Well, so cycle check-in. Cycle check-in. Where are you, Nans? I'm currently day seven. Mm. I've finished my bleed and I'm entering into my spring phase. How are you feeling? <laughs> I feel amazing. I'm currently on a gut cleanse, Mm. parasite detox, so feeling really clear. I've come away from holidays for a week and Mm. did some incredible breath work, the Awaken Breath Workshop on the weekend. So um, I had my period during that phase, so it was an opportunity to completely cleanse and let go. And so here we are coming into the rebuild phase of spring into summer yes (laughs) those angel wings got those angel wings out what about yourself i am actually day one i have been waiting for this period for about six weeks um and it was actually quite fortuitous timing that we had planned this podcast recording um because i have been waiting those six weeks because i went through an abortion about six weeks ago And we just had a bit of a chat about when women do go through, you know, an abortion, there are options. And that's sort of what we wanted to talk about today. You know, share our stories a bit, but also kind of, you know, if a woman does have to go through this, kind of guide you a little bit about your options and, you know, the treatments that you can have around it. So... I th- and I think it is really important for us to be able to bring these conversations to the forefront mm. because there's not many people that openly share about their experience mm. around this and even really talk about this topic. And be- firstly, I guess because it is so triggering, but also because there's been so much shame and guilt around that and, you know, so many women as we see in clinic when they have made the choice to have a termination is that it's spoken about so quietly and we want to we want to make you women and menstruators aware that it's not something to be shameful of is that you make a decision in your life that serves you at that time and that is the decision that supports you and we need to embrace those decisions and sometimes it's a really we're put in into a situation where we're backed into a corner is that you know, I fell pregnant when I was 15 and unfortunately I wasn't able to go on the contraceptive pill, but I didn't have the awareness either around Mm. my fertile window. Mm. And so I had no idea that you could fall pregnant, but here I was in year nine as a 15 year old pregnant and I had to go and tell my mum and my mum was actually really supportive. Mm. So she Uh, helped me organize the appointment for the Mm. clinic but that was something that she had also been through herself Mm. and so just to have that sort of hand holding of my mum to go hey look we all make 
well, mistakes happen. Mm. And, you know, you weren't educated around the cycle of your mm. period. Um, and so when we can actually understand, this is why this podcast is so specialist to us too, because when we can understand the importance of our menstrual cycle, mm. understand the different seasons, phases and cycles, is we can be empowered then. Mm. To have sex at the times that we maybe aren't in our fertile window. Yeah. yeah. Or we have sex during our fertile window and it happens. There's slip ups. There are slip ups. And, you know, the past 11 years, I haven't been on the pill. I have been very cautious around my cycle and I know my body. I know my ovulation days. And this was literally just a tiny little fuck up. And, that's totally okay, you know, we're human and those things are meant to, you know, sometimes happen and, you know, you try and take a lesson from it and realise I just need to be more careful and, yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, I'm sort of also at the age where, you know, a lot of my friends are having babies and it's sort of like, in quotes, like the normal age to start having babies. And when I found out, yeah, that I was pregnant, it was sort of like a disbelief of, but I've been so careful and so, you know, fine all these years, this isn't right. Um, and then a couple of tests later it was. So I think the first thing that I sort of wanted to do was obviously like chat to my partner and talk about what we wanted, but We've only been together for seven, eight months, so it still feels too soon. But it is something that, you know, we would like down the track. But I think the best thing and the part that I feel so grateful for is to be working with the women that I do. And, you know, when I found out straight away, told, you know, Mans and um, Chantel, and it was just really great to feel open and supported and to have a conversation and to chat about options because, you know, I've known a few other girls that have gone through the same thing, but there's two different or different types that you can go down. And I think to be able to discuss my options in like an open, like non-judgmental environment was really wonderful. And I think also is something that not all of us get to have. So, you know, if, you are experiencing something like this, I think the first thing is find your people that you can go and speak to, whether that's, you know, in your community or reach out to an open practitioner or... Because it's also too, it's so important about finding the right doctor as well mm. that can actually help support you through your decision-making as well that is open mm. because sometimes culturally as well is that some doctors are not able to actually um, refer you on to a, a clinic that can then help you with the procedure mm. because actually there are two types. So there's a medical termination. Yeah, and then there's the surgical well, the, there's the, and then there's the surgical. And mm. so the medical termination is having the uh, pills, the two pills, which are yeah. called. Yeah. So, yeah, those I think are probably more common, I think. I think that's almost sort of the go-to um, treatment uh, and you take them, you can get them from your GP. 
certain mm. GPs. Not all of them do. And then... So it's the medication. So you've got the medication, which is uh, medication termination offers a safe, reliable and non-surgical means Mm. of abortion. And the two medications for their tablets that you take orally, and that's, I may not pronounce it correctly, mifepristine, which is taken orally. So what it does, it is essentially blocks the action of progesterone that supports the pregnancy. So... After we ovulate is that the follicle that releases that egg then uh, transforms or morphs into the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum is the hormone body that produces the progesterone that supports pregnancy and implantation. So that first tablet, mifepristine, blocks the progesterone. And then you take mifeprostol, misoprostol, which is also orally. Uh, and what this does is it causes the cervix to soften and then it causes the uterus to contract and so to expel the pregnancy. And this is where we see in clinic, even for women that have had miscarriages, is that sometimes they're offered the medication. But what happens in that is that you experience everything, is that you essentially experience uh, a miscarriage, a termination, uh, and it's extremely horrific. It's painful. Mm. It's very, it can be really messy in the sense that um, there can be a lot of blood. Sometimes you can hemorrhage. And also, too, the side effect can be that sometimes the product remains within the uterus. Uh, and what happens there is you have to, you'll just continually keep bleeding. And it means that the actual pregnancy hasn't terminated correctly, which then you have to end up going in to have surgery. You have to then go and do the surgical um, abortion because otherwise that can become what's still left in your uterus, can actually become infected and pose like quite a danger to your health. So it varies. Everyone has their own experience, but it can be a lot more traumatic in a few ways because you go through all of the emotions you see everything you feel everything and you also don't know what the recovery is like because everyone will react to it differently so you can if it does you know withdraw correctly and you do start a recovery well that's wonderful but then if you're the person that does have a really bad experience with it then you can be in recovery for it for a while and not actually be able to stop bleeding then there's also you know nutritional deficiencies and low iron and that just becomes you know an awful situation to find yourself in and it's and it's and it is it's really from all the experiences from what we hear from girlfriends and from patients in clinic is that a couple of you know if, that we know have had that side effect where it hasn't uh, expelled completely, mm-hmm. and it's been a very traumatic experience. And then they've had to have surgery, and so I think you know it is one of those things as women. It's to be we're not always told the side effects. I think and. It's like, oh, take this, you'll be okay, go home, grab a hot water bottle. But some of the side effects are is severe cramping. Is Some women have said that it's almost experienced like birthing because sometimes the uterus goes into full contraction and cramps, and those cramps can be anywhere ranging up to, you know, 
on the Richter scale, the pain scale mm. of up to 10. So really, really traumatic. And if you don't have anyone at home either to support you, is that you can be going that on through through yourself alone. Mm. So it's really important to do your research and understand also to potentially, you know, how far along you are with your pregnancy as well. Because normally they'll recommend to take the pills during those up sort of like six weeks, six to seven weeks. Anything past seven weeks is normally recommended to have the surgical. Yeah. And that was sort of the conversation that we had. And straight away in my mind, I just thought, I just want to know that I can go in for, you know, a morning, have the procedure come out and then know that it's, you know, been terminated and I can just recover from there. Um, but the thought of having to go through, you know, essentially miscarriage and then not knowing what recovery could look like just felt too overwhelming. And I just wanted to know, you know, I've made peace in my heart with my partner that it wasn't the right time for us. So I just, you know, wanted to feel like it was just going to be done on the day. Um, and yeah, it was actually, the procedure was actually a lot quicker, a lot easier and like I think actually quite okay. I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. Because I think also too from my experience was I didn't want to have to live through that. It was already hard enough to make the decision to go down that path. I mean, even at 15, I have had a couple, even when I was in my 20s, to make that decision. It was extremely difficult. Uh, And so when you can go under and have an anaesthetic, it's almost a way of it's a peaceful it makes peace with the situation, I think, a lot easier to be able to process mentally, physically, emotionally. Yeah, yeah. And to not have to see anything, like, it's almost a way to help you, like, heal. Yeah, yeah. And to not feel super connected to what's going on. I feel like, you know, taking the pill, you're connected to every, you know, sensation, every emotion, whereas this it just feels a lot more clinical, which in sometimes in those circumstances you need to feel that way. Um, and so let's – so one of the side effects too, I mean, the thing is we'll give you all the side effects today as well, is surgically, you know, you want to make sure that you're not having multiple terminations because over time, um, depending on who performs a surgery, is that that can lead to things such as Asherman's and Asherman's where there is scar tissue on the cervix. Mm-hmm. And the cervix actually closes over. And so you don't have a period mm. post the surgery. So if you haven't had a period post uh, a surgical termination after six weeks, is that you definitely need to speak to your doctor and go back to the clinic um, to follow that up because there's a possibility there could be Asherman's. And also, too, there's the possibility of infection. Mm. Yeah. And there's also, too, the possibility of sometimes product remaining even post a surgical um, operation. So just to give you, and what that will mean is that you will continue to bleed, spot, and if you have an odour or smell of uh, mucus uh, that's looking yellow or has an odd smell, then that will indicate, yes, that there is an infection and to please go back to your GP or go back to the clinic straight away. Because yeah. you were given antibiotics post yours, yes? Yeah. Well, I was actually given one during the surgery. They just do as a preventative and then two after just to make sure 
that if you do contract anything that they've just, you know, covered their bases and also they do an STI test when you're in there. So they just give you antibiotics just to make sure if you do return a positive test that that has started to be um, dealt with. But yeah, the clinical experience I think also is really great in terms of their care. The one that I went to. You went to, I mean, Murray Stokes, didn't you? Oh, it was probably, yeah, the easiest, like just most wonderful experience I could have thought of. I had no idea what it was going to be like going in and it was still COVID time. So I couldn't have anyone in there with me and the girls in there just, you know, hold your hand through it. The nurses are really great and just, you know, talk to you before it and want to know your reasons why and just to make sure that you feel supported. And then you have to be a minimum six weeks um, along. So they just, you know, do another pregnancy test to make sure that you are at six weeks and an ultrasound. And then from there, it's sort of you're in there and then half an hour you're out. And it's sort of wild how fast it can go, but then it was quite easy. It's not painful. You don't feel any pain afterwards, really. Um, you do have some bleeding. Yeah. You know, like you would post yeah. a normal period. Yes. Yeah. And then um, you just sort of, yeah, just went home and took it easy for the weekend and had, you know, lots of food and just made sure that I felt rested and supported. Um, and then I think going forward, looking into like womb care and, um, wanting to, you know, prioritise that before going into a, like a fertile state again and wanting to try in the future I think is also important, whatever that looks like to you, like a womb massage, um, Amanda does womb healings, um, which I think would be really wonderful if this is something that you have experienced and you are looking towards starting a family to just clear any trauma. Because so many women, yeah, it's such a, you know, I always ask the question in clinic with women that have had a termination previously that are, you know, in the process of creating their families, whether they still feel regretful or feeling shame and guilt around that termination that they had, because that can actually impact your, where you are with, you know, creating your family currently. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to give yourself time and space uh, to journal to allow your body to heal properly uh, post having um, any form of um, surgical operation Mm -hmm. and to journal around your emotions to be really clear as well about the decision that you are making because if there is a sense of I don't feel like this is I can do this right now is that that's where the emotions of regret and shame Mm. or, you know, culturally in the family, if you've had to make a decision that's against. um, Yes. Like cultural beliefs. Yes. Cultural beliefs. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's just interesting, I think, because I feel like we've come, you know, even the past like 30 years where it was, and still, you know, relatively to this day, it was a lot more shameful to have abortions like 15, 20 years ago. And for people to stand out the front and to, you know, say you're killing your baby and God loves your baby and all those things that when you're going through a decision that's so, you know, difficult and can be traumatic, you don't need all of that as well. 
So I feel like also I want to pay respect to the privilege that we also have in Melbourne, in um, Victoria, because there are other states where you can't. So just want to pay, you know, gratitude to the fact that we were also able to make this decision Mm. and we're in a state that allows us to make this decision about our bodies because there are countries and there are other states where it's just not even an option. And that right, it's a right, it's a woman's right to mm-hmm. be able to, to make that decision. Yeah, this is our body, our choice. And That's right. no other person in the world is going to be able to tell you what is better for your body and your life. Because even for victims of trauma and rape in states where they don't have that option, is that we we should be given that mm. option. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, it is our decision. Yep. Yep, exactly. And it just feels, yeah, wild. Like I thought about it going into it and I was like, this actually feels so crazy to think that there are other places in the world where you are legally not allowed to have this done. So I wanted to also make a note of that in this, that, you know, we're so lucky and I feel grateful to be in a state where I was able to have this. You can access health, mm. but we can access health also too that is covered by a health system such as Medicare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where you can get a rebate back. Yeah. Uh, whereas in some countries there's no uh, Medicare, there's no health rebates on mm. um, for a termination. So we are in a very privileged state, yeah. country in Australia, to be able to access uh, this kind of health. Mm. Yeah, because it shouldn't be something that women have to fight for. We should be able to have access to this, um, you know, essentially a choice for our own bodies. And it's with a lot of other things as well, you know, like the pill um, and, you know, our birth process as well and what we want that to look like, whether it's in a hospital system, in our homes. It's just another addition to women standing up for their rights and, you know, wanting to do this in their way. Um, so I think, yeah, even perhaps post-surgery, um, we could talk a little bit about womb care. Um, and I know there's options you know, like I mentioned, like womb massage, we offer a womb healing um, treatment, which I haven't had personally, but I've heard really beautiful things. Um, and you can have herbs. Um, a nice. Um, I always think <laughs> castor oil packs are really good mm. to do as well. Yeah. To eat nutritious foods post your surgery so you just think warming foods because the uterus likes to be nice and warm Mm. um when we get cold in chinese medicine is that can cold can cause contraction it can also lodge into the uterus as well which can then lead to painful periods can lead to heavy periods cramping so you want to keep your womb nice and warm making sure that you wear uh cotton underwear post as well Mm. uh, to take in your organic pads if you have access to those or to even wear your period undies post your surgery. Yeah, yeah. You're actually not allowed to use a tampon or insert anything two weeks after your um, termination, I guess, because the area is so sensitive. 
And also, um, too, because it's susceptible to any bacteria. Yeah, so true. a penis can carry bacteria <laughs> on its head, <laughs> particularly if they're not circumcised. And also, too, the re- you'd, I recommend not having any sex post-determination because you are, there's still, you are still ovulating, you still will ovulate, mm-hmm. and you will ovulate anywhere between from the, the time of the termination through to six weeks. So your cycle's still trying to find and come back to its own rhythm. So there's still a high chance of being able to fall pregnant. So no sex. And if you are going to have sex, then please use a condom. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. But, yeah, afterwards you don't even really want anything near that area, especially a penis because it still feels, you know, fragile and, you know, in a sense you're still going through grieving and mourning of what was in your uterus, not even on a conscious level but subconsciously um, when something, even we have our period, um, our body in that um oh, what's the word when we have you bleeding it's so we normally yeah. don't we actually normally should not be recording because <laughs> day one of my period anyone's period there's always a little bit of foggy brain you, yeah that's the right words. your blood is in your uterus yeah <laughs> when there's the shedding it's when like your uterus goes into like a morning yes. um so yeah you don't want anything near there and just to kind of respect the area again and just you know, let it come back to its own healing in its time. Don't go exercise crazily. Oh, God, you don't it feel like And it. go out for a run yeah. or anything. Is that you want to just be, you want to be really gentle with yourself because our womb is sacred. The area is sacred and we want to honour that space. We want to mm. honour the process that we've just, our body's been through, having an anaesthetic, making sure that we come home and we rest that we don't mm. cause any further damage to any of the tissue because you want to make sure if they if they, it hadn't emptied completely the product is that that will then cause further bleeding mm. so just make you yeah, come home rest have like lots of soups yeah and then even start to focus on like liver care and gut care because when you do go through the process and you have the three antibiotics that's a lot in the space of one hour on your system, especially if you don't have a lot of antibiotics in your life. So even then to start taking a probiotic after it, even, you know, just add more, um, uh, you know, fibrous foods and just gentle digestive foods that you can have. So like man said, soups, um, congees, even kitcheries, things that are just nice and gentle and easy for your body to actually assimilate nutrients and then because of the um, uh, the anesthetic, anesthetic, anesthetic's <laughs> really good for that knack. It helps the body for methylation, yeah, for, uh, to help your liver be able to process it out, yeah, and just to add more liver friendly foods back in. So make sure that you're having your lemon water in the morning, keeping nice and hydrated, even having your celery juice, having Mint. red apples, yeah things like that, just to, you know, add extra care in um, because you're not going to be feeling great. So anything that you can do to kind of help. And uh, and just some, if you've got your yeah, lower back pain over the next couple of days, because sometimes because if, you, if mm. your feet being in the stirrups is that sometimes your pelvis can be out mm. um, to go and have a chiropractic adjustment or see your osteo. Mm. 
to do some gentle stretches for your lower back as well. Yeah. And just, you know, come back in after a few days and just do some gentle hip circles, get some Mm. energy moving, create that water element of fluidity Mm. again, uh, and moxa after you finish your bleeding as well is a really nice way to help Mm. to heal, uh, to create a beautiful um, peripheral blood blood flow through your uterus. Mm. It also helps if there's been, just to make sure that there's, uh, if there's any residual scar tissue, it helps to promote that blood flow uh, and keep your womb beautiful and healthy, essentially. Mm, yeah. 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 And, you know, the clinics do so well to educate you about, you know, going forth and um, what sort of things to look out for and, you know, how to take it easy and things like that. But there's always that extra womb care that you can always add in. Um And I think also, too, another big one is that sometimes when you go into the clinics, they're really, they'll be like, okay, what contraception are you on? And if you're not on contraception and you don't want to be on contraception and you are worried, is that we just want to reassure you that, look, the apps don't work, okay? So the apps will tell you that you're fertile in this particular fertile window. It's an algorithm, right? It's not your body's algorithm. And it's super important to understand your own cycle awareness, so really go back to tracking your cycle, including your BBT temps to understand, get up in the morning, take your temperatures, do that for a few months, mm. see what your um, menstrual algorithm is for your body mm. and then understand when your fertile window is because if that means that you have to do the um, ovulation sticks, do so because the app will, t- it's incorrect. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, I'm not ovulating. I'm fine. And you will be ovulating. You could be ovulating. Like me. Like And it happens. Mm, exactly. And, yeah, I think the thing that I sort of wanted to take away was not to beat myself up about it. It, You know, these things can happen. You know, our mothers, our grandmothers, our friends, our sisters go through this. It is quite more common than I thought it was um and I think that's why we wanted to have this conversation as well because it's not something that should be sort of shunned to the side or um you know not spoken about it's something that a lot of us do go through and it's really important as well to then if you are wanting to start a family after one to know what your options are and you know the care around your womb and Um, having the awareness around your fertility going forward. So then when it is the right time, you know, all of the right things to do, all of the measures to take, and you sort of have a really positive mindset going forth into starting a family. Yeah, Um, because I've heard clients go, I'm being punished because I made a decision 15 years ago and I just want to reassure you that the universe doesn't work like that. No. no, it's like the universe doesn't think, oh, there's no paybacks. No, no. And you had to do something in that moment that served you and also that, you know, potential baby because if, you know, you were to bring a baby into the world at that time when it didn't feel congruently right for you and your partner, then it wouldn't have been right for them, for that soul to come in. So... And sometimes, you know, I think the nicest thing that I was told, which makes it easier and it just depends on what your beliefs are and you can just say, man, this is just like too much woo-woo. But I'll never forget my kinesiologist had said to me is that, you know, sometimes souls come in for a short period of time and that's their journey earthside to this Mm. time. 
and then that exactly. and then and then that's and that's that's their journey mm. for this lifetime and i think one thing that also helped me cuz emotionally through it i felt like really balanced and i you know made a decision that felt really fine for us and you know felt congruent in my heart and in my soul and it just i think i was e- like i made it easy to just compartmentalize i just need to do it and then move on but obviously that's not the process for everyone so even before going into it i just like wrote a little letter to the soul to just be like you know thank you so much for choosing us like you know we do love you and we do want you in the future this is just not the right moment now and to sort of create if you feel called to a little ritual to just sort of close the ceremony and just yeah. you know make contact with that soul to just you know thank it and feel grateful for it and send it love and send it peace but just say you just have to know this isn't the right timing for any of us um you know we do feel called to maybe have you in the next little bit so you know come back again if you feel called and you know you're loved and everything like that i think that sort of also helped me process emotions and feel okay going into it and i think that always yeah i think that's so beautiful because that we're not taught this no it's, and it's really a beautiful thing to be able to do to close the ceremony as mm. well and to create a ritual and acknowledge yeah rather than just sweeping under the carpet yeah because it be, you know it, it is such a clinical yeah. like done but emotionally we might not just feel like that so to feel like we've kind of closed yeah closed that um ceremony and have a little ritual around it even if you feel called to like light a candle and just have a nice bath and take it easy and then yeah write a letter or just you know say a prayer or whatever feels right for you um i think that's nice because it is an energetic thing at the end of the day and to feel into the energetics of it um but yeah it's different for everyone so see what sort of feels right for you yes i think that i think yeah that was really nice i did that when i was older from my one when i was 15 Mm. when i was taught uh, it was really important as part of the process mm. to close that because it was still open. Yeah. And it was a part of me that I actually had just put to the side and hadn't dealt with mm. because it was very traumatic as a 15-year-old. Oh, of course. And then, you know, it, it was just part of my womb development in terms of my for where I am now doing all the womb healings, but super important to have to close that and to honour yeah that time in your life yeah and the emotions around that and what I felt Mm, yeah definitely and every you know person is entitled to whatever emotions they're going through so you don't need to listen to anyone who's trying to tell you how to feel through this or you know how you should respond or react just come back to what feels right for you and your you know family or your partner or just yourself just tap in, you know, to what is going to serve you and what feels the most um, congruent. And, yeah, you just have to stick by that. And there's no punishing. There's no... It's just so many things that we as women just have just been silenced about. It's not until you actually have those conversations is it in the open that we, like, from 
terminations to you know struggles with your fertility all of that is that this we just we've been silenced yeah yeah because our natural sort of you know thing as women I feel like is to share with other women and connect and that's you know going back to the days we would sit in circle and as a community we would just naturally share everything and all the women would gather and sort of have your support of your sister and not be like shamed upon exactly and we've sort of lost that especially in the western world so you know even as a nice invitation to go out and you know find more of your community and just connect further to your friends and have these conversations i think is so important it is it is Mm. important to actually be able to verbalize it because when you verbalize it that gives another woman permission or girl Mm. to be able to verbalize it yeah and then that it starts Mm. you know the energy and momentum behind that Mm. because i think that with this yes it's just too much like why should we have to be ashamed of a decision and choice that we made yet we're made to feel like a piece of shit basically oh and i felt embarrassed yep I felt shameful because I was like I felt I felt dumb because I was 15. I was like I had no idea. Uh and then it's just another also oh, way my of like dad I'll never forget. He goes, "Oh, you could be you could be um I could have a grandson." And I'm at 15. And I was just thinking, this isn't about you. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh and I'm like going, oh, did I just actually hear that at 15? And I'm oh. like, I can't even look after myself, let oh. alone look after another little human being. Oh, my God, your mum would have been terrified to hear that. And it was just horrific. So that around that, I just felt all the emotions. And, oh, yeah. And, and then it's... I was sick. I was, remember throwing up in the car and mum would have to pull over on the side of the road in my um, school uniform. Oh. And it was just such a, it was really, it was horrific and traumatic. And so, you know, you think you carry all of that throughout your life mm. when you get to your, you know, your older years, the later years, and you're yeah. wanting potentially to create your family. And you've got, all, you're holding on to all this baggage mm. of emotions because you weren't given the, the space or the understanding yeah. to normalize something that's actually okay in that moment. And so really important to journal around your emotions and give your emotions space to feel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. And, yeah, I think that, you know. Thanks know for that, sharing. Yeah, thank you. I As soon as I sort of went through it, I was like, I think this is an important, you know, conversation to have because I feel lucky that, you know, I've got the support of, you know, you and the space and my family and my partner, like I felt really privileged going through this and that I'm also, yeah, like we said before, in a state and in a country that supports this decision. So I think that, yeah, I just, my heart goes out to the women before us that didn't have this as an option Mm -hmm. and the shame, the deep, deep shame that women were made to feel going through something like this and that I think it's starting to shift. There is a little bit of a cultural shift towards it as well. Um, but I think that just the more conversations we have and the more that we normalise something, 
that, you know, is so much more common than we think is the way to heal as well. The more you talk about it and the more that we have these conversations, the quicker that we'll heal through them. Absolutely. Yeah. So. It's raw. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For, you know, for, for speaking about this out loud and bringing it to the forefront Mm. and giving it a voice and giving, like you said, all the other women before you, before us even, that have been through this sort of had to go through the horrificness of Mm. feeling all that guilt and shame. Yeah, and not feeling like they had a choice. Yeah, and having no choice. Yeah, because that's, you know, the most disempowering thing we can ever have. And we are in 2021. And it is time to, you know, empower us with having mm. conversations that are taboo. As we say, we're going to yes. change the status quo. Yes. yes. <laughs> we're going to yeah. let the blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have all of the conversations. They're going to be in depth and juicy and we'll laugh along the way and, yeah, probably cry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think as our third episode we wanted to – you know, go deep and it's not just a light-hearted, you know, tiptoe around certain things. We just, we want to have these conversations. We want to get into the depths of our wombs with yeah. the conversations that are sometimes really difficult to have. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so if you feel like, you know, if you're going through something like this and you need, if need some guidance, then... We can absolutely send us a DM and we can absolutely point you in the right direction mm. here in Australia anyway Yeah, of where you need some guidance and um, some support. support. If you even just need, you know, if you don't feel comfortable sharing this with your friends or your family and if you even just need someone to tell and to talk to, always reach out because, you know, that's why we're here as well. We don't want to just be someone that you can, you know, plug your ears into and listen on your commute or on your walk you can also connect with us and um you know have a conversation with us so don't be shy you can yeah slide on into those dms um but yeah thanks for thanks for listening yeah and thanks mans for this episode and you sharing your story and you know opening the space up for me to share mine and well thank you guys we'll see you on the next episode yeah stay tuned the next one will be released in a couple of weeks again sharon um, is that sharon bolt yeah, yeah. so we're gonna go further into the, into, womb. Into <laughs> the, the womb, womb care into the womb care and yeah what healing a womb can look like and connecting to your womb will do We've got some pretty cool episodes. Yeah, it's not going to lie. Yeah, but you'll just have to wait. We're pretty excited. (laughs) So stay tuned um, and, yeah, just keep connecting into your womb and, yeah, all the best. Thanks, ladies and gents. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.